Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. G'day and welcome to Thrush and Treasure, the Torture Chamber musical comedy podcast that partied too hard, now we're unwell, hungover, and smell like cheap spirits. And speaking of well hung, and speaking of cheap, I'm Aaron, and I'm joined as usual by the man with a flan and the nicest pair of baguettes on the West Coast. It's Evan the Metal Man. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, good. Um, yeah, why did you ask me if you called me this morning? Oh, shit. Okay, right. Weird. My sleeping pattern is all over the shop, as we know, but and we also know that I love my kitty cat, Anya, and last night I had a nightmare that my dad was carrying my dead cat away and they took her away before I could hug her or say goodbye to her and I woke up crying and the first thing I did was grab the phone and called the last person I had called which was you (laughs) and I'm telling you about what had happened and I took the phone into the other room and saw that my cat was in there alive but I didn't actually know until this morning when I asked you, did I call you last night? But that was a fucking dream as well. So I've woken up <laughs> from a dream crying, but I was still in a frigging dream. What the hell? What sort of stresses are going on in my life at the moment? <laughs> oh my God, that just freaked me the hell out. So that's why I've asked you, did I call you this morning? Because I, I right. seriously thought I had. I really, I thought yeah. I had. So, and I looked at the phone <laughs> And you were still the last number I had called in there. So anyways, stupid stories aside, guess what? What? We have another Disney diva up on Pride Rock today. And I'm so excited I could fart, (laughs) which wouldn't be a stretch given that I saw our next guest splitting our sides and sliding into the splits as Mr. Braithwaite in Billy Elliot. But that wasn't before I wasn't bored by his bore when he proved that Pride rocks as one half of Disney's first gay couple when he knocked (laughs) us all over with his sensational stint as Pumbaa in the original Melbourne and Shanghai runs of The Lion King, where he turned up the gas, instantly igniting an iridescent imprint on our isolated industry and insisting this irreplaceable inhabitor incite his intelligent intricacies into infinite individuals, (laughs) thus thrusting this tremendous talent from Timon's true love into the trembling tale of Toto's main man, the cowardly lion, in Andrew Lloyd Webber's update of The Wizard of Oz, and from Judy's big pussy to Liza's little dick, in The Boy From Oz, this Apple Islet has left his mark all over our map of Tassie as a leading player in the state's growing theatre scene, including his recent role as producer of the Rocky Horror Show, as well as more plays, operas, operettas, shorts, musicals, commercials, movies, and TV shows on a resume that's almost as long as his surname. And given his Tasmanian location, that gave him the authenticity to play Stupot in South Pacific, as whom he was seen across Australia. And while I did not see him as Uncle Max in Austria for The Sound of Music, we did hear him in Australia as Doll ADR, a part he also played in Daybreaker's Mayor's Last Dancer and Legend of the Guardians, The Howls of Gahooligan, released the Snyder Cut. So before I make a Gahooligan of myself, and with the sound of one hand clapping plus one eye farting, 
please help me say a huge g'day to this gifted geek, sorry, Greek Aussie actor who's entered our living rooms via the tricky business that was the Kettering incident. But in race relations and even Dance Academy 2, there are no winners and losers. And whilst this charismatic character was on pitch as Mitch in the Threepenny Opera, he was also a savage spider who made us Jekyll and Hyde. But today, he can't hide from our web of torture. So we welcome to the show the slick and suave host of Tasmanians Talk Sex, which is as awkward as it sounds, because he's <laughs> once, twice, three times a Pumba. He's also Mr. John Zintavalonis. Wow. How are you going? Hello. I'm going to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> That is a that is that would have to be the most incredible introduction I've ever had or will ever have. I think that's that is incredible. I need to write that down, but I don't think I've got enough paper and or ink. That was incredible. That's, how how long does it take you to do that? Um, oh, it took me it took wow. me five minutes to really write it, but then it took me a while to flesh yeah. it out and add the jokes yeah. in there and the puns. And add all my entire sort of career in there as well. That's incredible. Thank you. Not even, not even. I didn't even put in all the stuff in Tasmania, which you've done with your local, you know, independent theatre companies. Oh, no, we'd have no time. Well, that's it. But we are more of an international show. And I think people would be more interested in big ones. Yeah, the big stuff. So I have to be a snob about it, really. No, no, totally. I totally understand. Yeah, no, great. Thanks, guys. It's an absolute pleasure to be on the show. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm really excited and very grateful. And humbled to be here awesome now, as i say i'd seen you in the lion king how, how old were you when you saw me in the lion king oh i was about 22 okay yeah and i bawled my eyes out afterwards <laughs> because john i didn't really like it very much i'm sorry i'm so sorry it's okay it's great to meet someone it's a rare thing it is there, you are you are out there and you're few and far between but you do exist and that's a good thing i don't think every show pleases see i'm one of these people who can't stand les miserables or phantom of the opera yep. and people love those musicals yeah and i would i would much rather watch you know something else you know, something, <laughs> i'd much rather watch showgirls with elizabeth berkeley in it than you know fantastic oh and you know what they actually they tied saved by the bell to showgirls recently on the new season when her character talks about her vegas days Mm. and how she threw beads down the stairs and nearly killed a woman and stuff like that. So they've actually made her character the character from Showgirls. And when they did that on the show, I was like a very, very happy gay man that day. (laughs) Uh, But in terms of The Lion King, again, I'm sorry for everyone out there who is offended by that, but I was so goddamn excited. Like you would not believe it took seven years or something for that musical to get to Australia or at least to Melbourne. And I had built it up. Mm, Like 2003 in Sydney. And then when I saw it in, I think it was 2004, it was just, I was just, it was it was like wow. swaying salad in the most romantic song in the whole <laughs> show. They just they've stood cut. there and swayed. I think they've cut that now. That's been oh, cut from the God. recent production. If you went oh, back God. and saw the recent return to Australia. Oh, no, I wasn't wasn't going back. Sorry, John. <laughs> I went well, I wasn't back either. And then Pumba resigned and left in near the back half of the Melbourne season. So they got me back. Yeah. With two weeks, they gave me two weeks notice, or they rang me two weeks before I was on. I went and did two afternoon rehearsals and a tech run, uh-huh. and went on for the rest of the Melbourne season. And they did Perth, and the and the hardest part of that whole process was trying to remove the bits that they'd cut from my brain, yeah. because they'd cut, they'd tightened the show. And one of the things that went was the swaying salad and the ballet, the romantic ballet stuff that happened in the in the sky during "Can You Feel the Love Tonight?" Yes, where they have sex, basically. 
basically, in a most in a nicest, most Disney way possible. Just like in Wally, <laughs> Wally, where him and Eve have the they're out in space and they've got the um, fire hydrant and he's spraying his white stuff all over her and she's dancing in it. Oh, that is a Disney sex scene. Go and watch it again and tell me that it isn't. I have to now. Can you stop ruining films for me? <laughs> I'm sorry, but anyways, uh, we'll move on. Look, yeah, if they redo it, if they the Lion King, because I love the music, I love the concept of it that it's Hamlet with animals. If they redo it as something completely different, I will check it out. But I was just let down after so much build up. Mm. For me, it was the other way around. While it was opening in Australia in 2003, I was in New York. Uh, with uh, my then girlfriend, she's my wife now, yep. and we were walk we walked past the New Amsterdam Theatre where it was on, and my wife said, "Hey, should we go and see The Lion King?" And I looked at the posters at the front with these gorgeous, you know, built African American men with this lion thing on top of their heads, this yep. mask. I'm like, no, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God. and then there I was, three, you know, less than three years later. Auditioning for the show and, and then getting in it and being blown away. I mean, it's very clever and it sort of changed the whole the whole style of how you can you know depict stories like that, animation stories. Yeah. I mean, I went and saw um, literally two days ago uh, Bluey, the stage okay. show, yeah, yeah. and a lot of the Lion King puppetry idea stuff in that sort of was derived yeah. from what we did in the Lion King with all those amazing puppetry skills and, and designs that they did. So it was very similar. So it, it you know it certainly paved the way. But yeah, I think it opened in in America in like ninety six or something. Yeah, ninety seven. And it's still going. It's yeah. it's the largest grossing piece of entertainment in the history of the world. It's made more than all the Star Wars films put together, and you name it. We talked to uh, Michael Schumacher from the from Disney. He'll just he'll he'll tell you. Um, it's it's number one in the world above any piece of entertainment that's yeah. ever existed. Thomas, sorry. Thomas Schumacher, Michael Schumacher's oh, the race car driver. Sorry. See, <laughs> How do I know this? That's my sporting stuff coming out, yes. Well, you know exactly who Thomas is, whereas I'm like, and I should know yeah. Thomas Schumacher because yeah. I've met him. Whereas Joel's the filmmaker. But anyways, like, we will move on because we've yes. got a, a long show to do. Now, what would be in your fantasy rock star rider if you could just put any ridiculous thing on there? What what would you put in there? Oh, ridiculous. Gee, um, um, endless supply of sparkling water. I would have Sports Channel on a big uh, screen TV in the dressing room uh, constantly with all the connected to every sport around the world that I could sort of click into when I was in the dressing room. Uh, probably pizza, like uh, never ending, uh, lots of pizzas. That's pretty much it, really. I'm pretty easy. I'm pretty easily <laughs> satisfied. I can't think of anything because I wouldn't like have weird animals or, you know, pink colored lollipops. Or you hear all these extremely ridiculous. That's what we're looking for. But I'd be grateful to have a rider, you know, yeah, let true. alone an, an extravagant or ridiculous one. Just, yeah. just, just chuck the footy on and order me some pizza and I'm happy. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, and, and, and like just, you know, diet coke as well. But I'm under sparkly water now. I just love, I love bubbles. So and I wouldn't drink alcohol before going on stage. You know, once and it didn't end up very well. So I've never touched it ever since. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're pretty boring, I guess. Uh, really, that's that's pretty much all I need. Um, I always like lollies, but then you get those anyway. Um, mm -hmm. People always bring supplies of lollies. It's meant to keep our energy up. So yep. that'd be about it. Pizza and endless sport and endless sparkling water. Pretty average and boring. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for agreeing. That's it. Um, okay, now early in your career, you were thrown into the deep end with trial by jury. I believe that you oh, yeah. stepped into it. You were just That's given right. a lead role in a musical. You hear that, kids? 
Like this man just stepped into musical theater professionally, just like, here you go, John, have a lead role. Yeah, I didn't do I didn't do ensemble till I was in, in even in Hobart in an amateur musical wow. till, I was two, till 2004. I think I was 34, and it was in the amateur production here of uh, South Pacific. But I did get to drive the Jeep on. We had a real live Jeep that we drove on stage, so I got to do that. Uh, but yeah, that's my, that was my first ensemble role. I've been very fortunate. But yeah, Trial by Jury was terrifying because I'd never sung before. I can't remember how I got through rehearsal, but the opening night, I, I forgot. I just forgot how to pitch the song, like because I got I was so nervous. And the rest is history. But you know, not being trained at all uh, in singing whatsoever, I've sort of pretty much learned on the job. So it is still quite daunting, and I do need to put a fair bit of work into. And I don't read music, so I can't really cite. I mean, I read bass clef tuba music, but that doesn't help you when you're trying to sing. So that's about it. But yeah. So would you say the advice out there for kids is to stop trying, <laughs> basically, stop trying to be a musical oh, theatre yeah. performer and maybe yeah. it'll accidentally fall into your lap? Yeah, because I was just an actor, actor, like a, a straight actor for many, or for me, anyhow, from, from like 17 to 24. And it just sort of happened. But, you know, I, I always liked music and uh, I guess musicals. It's funny, I don't really like musicals. I like being in them. I don't really like watching them. But yeah, look, no, what I do say to people when I talk, especially young people now, it's different now than it was 35 years ago when I started. Nowadays, there's so much more competition. It's a lot cooler to do musical theatre than it was back then. Um, So there's a lot of competition for these young kids. And I just say, you know, if you can get into one of these schools, any school, that'll teach you, um, you know, one, two, three years of voice, of movement, Mm -hmm. you know, of Shakespeare, whatever, do it. Do it rather than spend, you know, 20 years doing it slowly like I did by being in shows on the job, which is not a bad thing. But, you know, you want to do it fast and get the right information the whole time instead of finding your own way. Yeah, I say do that. Get as much much training as you can and just be prepared to cope with the disappointment of not getting into stuff because that's the industry. You know, you don't because you don't get into something doesn't mean you're crap. It yeah, just it's means not personal. Just, you're just not right for it. You're too short, you're too tall, you're too bald, you're too fat, you're too thin, you know, and they won't necessarily tell you that. They just won't cast you, but it's people should never give up. And I never gave up. I was going to give up when I was 35 and got into Lion King about two months before my 35th birthday. Oh, and that okay. sparked my professional musical theatre career in Australia, which is bizarre. Well, um, we're going to throw you into our torture chamber now. Cool. So we're going to move on to metal. Now, you chose the band this week, so technically we're not throwing you into the torture chamber, but why did you choose this band? Well, because my mate plays bass and lead vocalist in it, and it's the only sort of real link I have to any sort of metal band ever in my life. These are, this is a metal band uh, based in Tasmania. They've played a few mainland gigs and stuff, but I don't really go, I go to their gigs, but I've never been to a metal gig before. And usually you find the people that, well, I find that my mate Adrian, who's in this band, the lead, there's only three of them in it. Him on stage playing in this band and singing mm-hmm. is completely different to who he is as a person. If you had to match the two people together, you wouldn't without, you know, being yeah. able to see with your own eyes that that's the same guy, the same gentle, well-spoken guy just talk to, just making these horrendous throaty sounds into a microphone while thrashing the yeah. bejesus out of every instrument he can get his hands on. Um, and after a while, you go to a few gigs and you start getting to enjoy it. So that's why, because I've got all, I've got about four of their T-shirts. I have their cap. I have all their, their two or three of their albums. I love it. And it's funny because I go there and I look like I'm trying to find my daughter. You know, I'm 50, <laughs> 51. But those guys are in their late 40s anyway. Yet yeah. they, pull this, they pull this young crowd. It's hilarious. I was going to say, yeah. So that's why. And that's their brand new album that I went to the launch of uh, a couple of months ago. Okay. Well, let me reframe my question. Yes. So why did you make me listen to this band? 
<laughs> well, because yeah, I had to come up with a metal album and that was it. Yeah, I, thought, I wanted you to listen to something you'd never listened to before and quite possibly, being a music theatre fan, uh, may never listen to again. And this, I mean, you might have liked it because that's, you know, you're the guy that didn't like Lion King, for God's sake. Like, you know, you're in the <laughs> bottom 1% of the people in the world who didn't like Lion King. So I know. You might have loved this, but you probably, yeah, it sounds like you didn't. <laughs> I did write a review um, and I did take into account that you probably know this band. Don't be kind, be honest. Yeah, I, I assumed you did, or you were at least, uh, you know, trying to promote Tasmanian um, <laughs> metal. The, the local metal scene. Yes. Um, but do we want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Yes, you read your review. If it's anything like the introduction, I'll be very interested. Oh, okay. <laughs> When I first saw the cover, I wondered who raised them, because every Aussie is taught, as a child, never to let some bogan hold your beer. They'll just drink it on you. <laughs> so I looked on the Spotify and found this band is actually dubbed Stoner Rock. So expecting something almost reminiscent of Primus, I pressed play and instantly got pelted with pebbles. <laughs> Again. Only this time I didn't nearly lose an eye, only my eardrums. Luckily, however, this 2021 effort was only 41 minutes long. Unluckily though, that meant I listened to it a further 10 times more than usual. Luckily though, it was only eight tracks. But alas, I was unlucky in at least five of them were over 15 minutes long each. And whilst my sexy hourglass figure may suggest that I am made of time, I'm not, however, made of patience. Don't worry, I'm just being on pitch as bitch in my two-cent opera. But as we have an extra special guest and Tasmania has a population of 70, I suppose I should whip out my crowbar and force open my mind. Firstly, the song titles do kind of sort of sound like dorky dads trying to sound cool, which didn't help. And whilst they can clearly play their instruments, I'm not sure this is stoner metal. Oh. Not that I know what that sounds like, but I can only assume it's not grah, 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 grah. But given this is their debut album, it'd be cruel to point out that they sound too inspired by bigger, more established bands, such as, um, well, you know, those bands. So I'm yet again having difficulty scoring this album. On one hand, they're trying. On another, they tried a little too hard and perhaps a few more years of gigging, touring and accidental threesomes with each other will bring them closer together <laughs> and help them find their own niche. There can't be too many Tassie thrash stoner metal bands, so they should hone in on what makes them unique and worry less about trying to honour a genre and bands who came before them. Any band claiming to be stoner metal needs to invoke only one reaction. That's some trippy shit, dude. Through lyrics, vocal nuances, obscurely rhythmic drumming, and unique melodies that are able to sweep the stoner away in a whisper smoke, not force one to think about other bands. Mm. And why is it hold my beer if this is stoner metal? It should be hold my bong. <laughs> Two stars. Wow. Wow. Like I guess I can see their potential. Yeah. <laughs> but I was let down in what I was advertised compared to what I got. Like the Lion King. I was expecting yeah, some fucking yeah. Pulitzer shit. And I got swaying salad. Wow. This is but this bodes well for them. 
if you didn't like Lion King and it did that, and you don't like, you don't like hold my beer. I did. I gave the Lion King one star, so this got this got two stars because I could see that they they are giving it a crack, giving it a go. But it's not. That's not stoner metal, kids. That is thrash metal. That is gra gra gra. That is fucking pushing a camel through a wood chipper. That is very <laughs> funny. That is very funny. I, I apologise. Please do not find me, even though I'm in Melbourne. Don't come and bash me up. No, these are older and bigger than me, but. I'm small and meek. <laughs> that's good. That was a good review. That's an see. That's an entertaining review. I don't mind reviews like that. Two star reviews that are entertaining. That's and and the boys will love that too. I'll make oh, sure they listen in. Yeah. Look, I I listen to it a lot. Yeah. You can you can let Adrian know that you know if they just keep gigging, you know they'll get better. Gigging. That's that's <laughs> what you took away from that sentence. The gigging. <laughs> Not the threesome to bring them closer together. It was the implication that they still got a long way to go. Well, no, it's, I could tell they were new. I could, I could, no, you, there's, there's always when a band comes out, unless there's, unless they have struck lightning in a bottle, which some bands occasionally do, but most bands, they sound like those who came before them because they are influenced by who inspired to get them into music. Well, yeah, those bands, those CDs that inspired them to pick up an instrument. You, you, True, it's across the board. But that criticism there is not so much a criticism as is an observation and a go get them, boys. Like keep doing it. And and if you're going to be stone or rock, find those trippy element uh, elements, elements. Find mm. those those nuances in the songs, in the lyrics that are going to appeal to the stoner crowd because that's who you are advertising to appeal to sure i certainly think it does it does appeal to the stoner crowd and then the bogan crowd and god they're, they're so fucking aussie it's not funny they're very aussie yes indeed they, they are very <laughs> aussie they are very aussie what did you think evan because you're the metal expert on this show well yeah no i i love this like i said i it, as john said um it's nice to uh, listen to something new that you possibly haven't heard before. Well, and yeah, I was I was expecting Aaron to say, you know, oh, they all sound the same. And I did. The, the more, yeah, I was waiting for that, but really, they don't. Like I've that is the bonus of it being quite a short album, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Some of those songs were pretty long. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some long ones in it that don't really feel that long. But the more I listen to it, the the more I liked like each individual song. There's, uh, you know, lines like, you know, I'm gonna get sideways tonight it's got to raise a smile it certainly appeals to the, the mullet in me there you go yeah uh, but yeah and it gave me time to, to listen to everything else i could find and yeah there's there's two or three eps there's singles there's there's stuff on Bandcamp. there's stuff on youtube it's kind of scattered around it's not all on on spotify you have no. to do a bit of a bit of a look they're they're a hard band to research because there's there's no wiki there's no because it's because they're old that's why yeah. it's because they're old. they don't know how to do stuff on wiki it, it looks like they edit all their own videos they probably do yeah i think they do but but yeah certainly like i am i don't know if they're on their demographic but i understand you know being 45 partial to alcohol you know yeah, alcohol I, I see where they're coming from they're getting up there having to go uh, I don't know when they started. Stoner. That's drunk. That's drunk. They don't metal. call themselves stoner rock. They call themselves sludgy bullshit rock. That's what it said on Spotify. And that was the first thing well, I read. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm no. expecting something a bit at least psychedelic here. Beer fueled sludgy bullshit rock. 
is well, the official title. I never read that. And if I had have read that, I would have gone into my review with that mindset. Oh, so Spotify's Spotify's description of them is what threw you off, Aaron. Yeah, let me just double check that because I've been yeah. wrong so many times on this show. Yeah. No. Although, yeah. It is a valid point that some of the songs we go, that sounds a little Soundgarden and that sounds a little Alice in Chains. Oh, sorry, you know, just quickly. Um, by the way, the band is called Mountains of Madness. I don't think that was said at all. No. No, wasn't it? Yes. No, no it wasn't. Hold yes. My Beer was the album, yes, but you forgot to yes. mention Mountains yes. of so, Madness yes. in your very entertaining review. Yes, so sorry to the boys. Yes. yes. And and, um, and you forgot it as well in your this is why you chose the album. I'm pretty sure you did because well, you said your friends in the band, but I don't think we... Oh yeah. And we didn't mention Mountains of Madness. Yes. We should do it now. Mountains of Madness, Mountains of Madness, Mountains of Madness. There we go. Yes. Yeah, so now they're gonna appear behind us in the mirror. Oh yeah, behind heaven. Yeah, which which is of course Mountains of Madness from a, a Lovecraft, HP Lovecraft novel. Uh, sorry, but okay. Oh here we go. Oh here we go. You said novel and Aaron's excited. Go ahead. Tasmania's Mountains of Madness have been plying their trade in Australia's stoner rock scene. Oh, for just shy of a decade. Oh, I didn't read that. <laughs> you stopped after stoner rock. Oops. Yeah, that was the point I was about to bring up was like, it was hard to research them. And I couldn't, I normally start with, you know, Mountains of Madness were formed in whatever year. And I couldn't find the year. The earliest release though, was like 2015. Oh, yeah. Do you know who they remind me of a little bit? Who? Like the rejected Wiggles who met up at the pub after the audition when they got <laughs> told no and they got drunk and decided to start a metal band together. Wow. I wonder if that happened. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they might come out. They might come out that the old the old original Wiggles are now touring. The, the, the rejected ones might appear at some of their gigs. Yeah, they're even coming to Tasmania. That's how... Yeah, pissed off. Oh, God, nothing ever goes to Tasmania either. Well, not musicals. We can't fit them. Um, but is, is there anything else more about the band? Because otherwise we'll move on. Mountains of Madness. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise Evan? We'll... <laughs> anything yeah. more about yeah. Mountains of Madness? Sorry, you, you've well, been dying well, to speak. Yeah. <laughs> I think you went off on a tangent. I did. Sorry. Yeah, it, it was it was great to, to listen to something new that I hadn't heard before and Australian. Yep. Yeah, I appreciated that. Yep. No, yeah, and then I went and listened to everything else they had, and and oh great, because they do have connections in Perth. Oh, okay. So, oh, they could they could do a gig there, and if that happens, Evan, I, sh I should fly over and meet you there and take you to the gig, and um, that'd be great. We'll FaceTime Aaron <laughs> and say, "Listen to this, uh, uh, Evan. You can take the face punches for me. That's what." <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was again the, because of the, the length of it, I was able to I listened to it over and over, and then. Yeah, went and listened to all the other albums, watched their, watched their um, music videos. So I was going to say about the music videos, like they more than likely do themselves. Um, yeah, whereas the, I think the latest video for Witches Brew is literally them playing in front of a green screen, which is playing one of their previous videos in the background. Like, <laughs> I'm like, wow. That's like my dream last night. A dream within a dream. <laughs> it's like early rage, isn't it? Like when they first did film clips and that's what the bands would do. Yeah. It's like, has anyone got a camera? Yeah, I've got one. You fine, you got the job, you know. Congratulations. I I yeah, the more I listen to it, the more I like all the pretty much everything, every track on here. I really do appreciate his voice. Again, it sounds every so often he'll sound a little Alice in Chainsy. Oh. And I'm a huge Alice in Chains fan, so I'm fucking happy with that. Sure. So you would know. Yeah. Yeah. And then musically you'd hear Soundgarden in there. Bit of Pill has a bit of Soundgarden. And there was a there was a bloody 
drum line in there somewhere that was doing my head in and i think it was spoon man like i'm like this sounds like something so don't say what i mean yeah things had flavors of bands which came you could hear the inspirations it was a lot of that but again they're i'm not their demographic but i'm their age and um i would have listened to growing up listening to the same bands that they've listened to this is why i can you know yeah. can hear all this in right. it and you know if i was to slap a band together in my 30s and i more than likely would would sound a little bit like that too you know that's just what we grew up listening to yeah. so no I'm, i don't see it as a downside it, it certainly does break the songs up like aaron would say all the songs sound the same and i'm like yeah but that one's a little bit soundgarden and that one's a little bit alice and chainsy and you know that one might be a little bit offspring and, and it's um no they i like them i like them a lot i would definitely go and see them good I'll, i'm gonna try and make that perth gig happen yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be well. No one's coming into Perth for a while, but yeah, we'll see. But you've got you've got bands there though. They could just come and play on a. They could just support one of your local bands or whatever. That's yeah. usually what they do. Usually, I go along. At, at, yeah, but they can't. <laughs> you still can't uh, get through the border. Oh, yet. they can't. Oh, they can't, oh, oh, Tassie can't. They've shut us down. Yeah. Yeah. You and your you and your cases. Yeah, but well, that's the problem. Half the state here wants the borders closed again, which is not going to happen because we up until we opened the borders four weeks ago, we had two hundred and forty cases all up ever of COVID since it started. And now we're eight, well, now we've got 8,000 cases. Oh, <laughs> but it's because we were only letting in 2,000 people a week and now we're letting in 14,000. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's people from Sydney and Melbourne and that, that are giving everyone COVID here. But, you know, it's fine. It is what <laughs> You're it is. just going to blame Sydney and Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, it's good because they've got more people. <laughs> well, Melbourne's like, four, do you have, have 40,000 cases I today? Do. Oh, I have no idea. 39,994. On yeah. a show day, I try to stay away from the news because otherwise <laughs> I'm just going to get angry at what I'm seeing and I need to be in, yeah, good idea. in comedy mode. But anyways, um, I think the beer has been drunk. We shall throw to an ad break. We're back in a moment with Thrush and Treasure. This summer, winter, spring, or fall, the first ever musical theater sitcom where you go behind the scenes of the latest West End show, The Fosse Forest Ballet. Where's the important stuff? Aha! A thousand pound a week ensemble rate. Ah, that's what Mamma Mia likes. Starring Philip Joel and a West End cast featuring Carrie Alice, Darren Denny, Louise Demon, and Oliver Savile, and more. It all started in 1987 when I was a jobbing actress working in a diner. Yeah, it's just I, I had a really bad experience when I was touring Australia with a wombat. <gasps> Darling! How long have I been mentoring you? Three months? Two years. So her name is Henrietta. The horse. Yes. I've managed to secure you an audition for the biggest, most innovative, and the latest show to be going into the West End. Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Think more along the lines of Pant. Frozen. You can watch this episode for the price of a coffee. Simply go to www.thefussyforestbelly.com. Any and all profits go back to theatre charities, acting for others, and the theatre's trust. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll see a grown man in sparkly tights. Tight nights. Nice. Tights. Alrighty, you're listening to Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Evan, and we are joined by John Zintafalonis. 
Australian actor extraordinaire who I saw as Pumba and Mr. Braithwaite. Now I have to ask, am I saying that right? Or is it John Zachta? Zachta. Oh, John X, actor. That was, that was a dad joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> John Zachta, yeah. I never thought of it like that. You can, yeah, it's quite a bit. It's just because I didn't want to be with John Zintabalonis actor, yeah. which I could I could have just been John's in Tabalonas, I guess, but people need to know where I'm coming from. I saw, uh, read a, saw an article referred you as, referred to you as Mr. X. Yeah, that's what they call me, Mr. X. Yeah, they do, yeah. <laughs> they changed the surname years ago in a review, 30 years ago, because they worked out they could get paid, they can get paid for three extra words if they just called me John X instead of John's in Tabalonas. Yeah. So it's all for space. Pretty um, much, but I don't mind. It's pretty unique, and yeah. my agent doesn't mind it. Although she does insist sometimes that they use my full name. Because in this day and age, it's all about ticking the right sort of diversity box too. And mind you, someone like me, a white European, isn't as diverse as we used to be 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, now, just while on, um, not that we're on Mr. Braithwaite, but when was the last time you did the splits? Uh, not that long ago. Uh, about six months ago at a, where I was public I was speaking at, a, at an event or something. People always ask. And if I do my PowerPoint presentation thing where I go through my career, the picture's there. And yeah. in the Q&A, people go, can you still... So sometimes I'll deliberately warm up 15 minutes before I go on <laughs> because I know someone's going to... Because if I literally try and do it and go all the way down, sometimes I'll, if I haven't warmed up, I'll go to about yeah. half, a, half a foot off the ground. But yeah, because I can literally hurt my hamstring. I'm like, I'm 51. So and I learned to do the splits well, at yeah. 37 years of age. So... Wow. It's you know, and I, they just—I never do it. They they saw potential and said, "Yep." And then they sent me off to six weeks of jazz and, and stretch classes here in Hobart before I left for Sydney to do the show. Yeah, well, I didn't think that you had just done straight theatre and the splits before getting into musicals. So I figured you must have learnt for Billy Elliot. Yeah, no, I wish. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd done. Oh yeah, because if I go back, people say, "What would you change?" I, mean, I would go to dance lessons. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I saw you're off doing. Um... Uh, was it Dancer Stedford's with your your daughter and yeah yeah she dances and my wife's a, a dancer as well an ex dancer but she keeps coming out of retirement she's the Johnny Farnham of Tasmanian dance <laughs> yeah so I go I, sometimes I'm in the open group section with some of the girls so they've, they've done a couple of kicking routines which is a, a, an event they do here at a Stedford's and stuff and most recently I've got all these dads together to do time walk from the uh, yep. from uh, they might have also been a half a asked attempt to promote the show that was coming up in Hobart, but I've got all the dads to do it. And that's literally brought the house down. There's a men who can't dance, but mm-hmm. it backfired a bit because we've literally created a whole bunch of middle-aged male divas who now we can't get off the stage and want to know what we're doing next and whatnot. Like yeah. they've literally, it's gone straight <laughs> to their heads. So that's a bit of a bit of a problem, but yeah, I do like to dance. I mean, I can learn choreography, but it just takes me longer than it does. It's that whole brain thing. Yeah. Uh, if you've got, if you're trained, you just like go, you know, they can teach dancers a routine in five minutes. That would take me for, for, um, five weeks. Yeah. Anyways, we'll move on to the musical. Oh, well, we're still talking about musicals because here we go. You chose the show this week and we'd obviously already done Billy Elliot and I was surprised that you didn't suggest The Lion King. A show that I've been in. Well, that's a bit boring. I want to, yeah, no, I want to do a show that I, and I like funny shows. I like yeah. shows that have comedy in them and most shows do. Lion King has comedy in it and Billy, and Billy Elliot obviously has comedy you know even south pacific does like you know you can find comedy in all shows but the real funny ones this is mel brooks i mean you you can't fail he's funny and and a little bit you know toes over the edge politically incorrect and Mm -hmm. you know all that sort of stuff which i kind of like because i'm old school now we'd already done young frankenstein with hadley Fraser, so this time we've done the producers now evan 
Mm. Did you know this existed? Before? I'd heard, I'd literally only heard the name. Yeah, I knew it was a thing. I, I don't think I even knew it was Mel Brooks. You didn't know it was a film years ago because it's based on a film that he produced years ago with Zero Mostel and, and, and um, Gene Wilder, was it? Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. As I've said many times, Aaron will just send me a link and say, you know, listen to this, and I'll <laughs> listen to it a couple of times, just completely blind, no idea what it is, which I've done this time. Again, I immediately go, I I couldn't get what this was about just from the music, well, not much. Wow. Yeah, good point. So so then I started Googling, and I was like, oh, okay, it, it's a 1967 film. Now, I did this a little bit backwards, which I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. I watched the 1967 film first. Ah, So I watched that first and that was hilarious. And of course, springtime for Hitler busts out. And I was, you know, you know, that, that awkward laugh where, you know, you shouldn't be laughing, but there's also no one around. So you can do it as loud as possible. That's right. Yes. Having more so than ever now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I had to stop it and I had to go get my wife. I'm like, look at this. Look, look at what they're doing. She was not familiar with this either? No. Wow. No. Great. Um, she likes musicals, but yeah. Oh, she's only a little bit younger than me. But um, and, and I was more blown away by the fact that it was 1967. You know, the war had only been over about 20 years. Too soon. So half of the audience either remembered it yeah. or were in it. Yeah. You know, especially your older theatre going audiences. So, yeah, that's got some major balls to to. Do that. Oh, to that yeah absolutely and and you know mel brooks just has this way of just sitting right on the line a little bit over it but not enough to sink himself he's spinning around on the line that's what he's doing mm. yeah and, and this being his first directorial movie as well um the fact that it even got aired apparently was only due to uh peter sellis saw it wow and, and, and when you have to put this out like they the studio had sat on it and they, they're like we can't release this jesus but peter sellis personally sent a letter to the studio going i love this you must put it out wow and and yeah somehow they got away with it it caused a fair bit of controversy but you know it, yeah it, <laughs> it got somehow got onto screens so yeah what's the original film and then i wanted to see what they did with the springtime for hitler production and of course of course they went big they, did. they went so much bigger it's such a hard show to do because you're literally doing two musicals. You're doing the producers and you're doing Springtime for Hitler. So two sets of sets, two lots of costumes, two lots of offices. I feel sorry for the set department. Yeah. yeah um, I think it was a cast of 23 and about 300 costumes. Um, someone actually goes through like seven different costume changes. It's like Priscilla, same thing, costume-wise. The set crew, whatever their official name is, that Springtime for Hitler, big number in the middle when you've got stuff flying in they got the little tanks they got the world popping up they just went so much bigger than what the what the movie did which was great and you know it fleshed it out a lot longer and had hitler himself mm. well, this is mel brooks with a budget now so i think mel brooks mm. would have put all that stuff in the movie had he had the budget yeah it's certainly one of the most complex sets i've seen just in general for the whole thing you know, with the pigeons and the, the office sets and the... Oh, the pigeons, yeah. And the two office sets because they need a second one that's completely white. Yeah. It's all, all the paints, you know, so... Yeah, exactly. Two set, two identical sets, one of them completely white. So then I went to discover the, I think, the funniest thing in the whole thing, which is, is it Here Comes Bialy? Oh, with the nannies. Along Comes Bialy, yeah. Yeah, with the, all the little old ladies. Yeah, Along Comes Bialy. In the stage show. Where they're bloody tap dancing with walking frames. With the walking frames and on trampolines and... Oh, yeah, that was easily the funniest bit in the whole thing. <laughs> and which, funnily enough, 
I find out later was not Mel Brooks's idea. He wanted to cut that song. And the director sort of went, no, hang, hold on, I've got an idea. And they've run off and grabbed some walking frames and, and, and you know, workshopped it out. And I think it ended up as being one of the highlights of the whole show. Oh, yeah. It's genius. Yeah. <laughs> there are really so many great songs in this. Again, it's the first time Mel Brooks has uh, not just written the lyrics, but he wrote the music as well from a guy who can't read music. Uh, the story goes he just kind of hummed into a bloody tape recorder for most of it and then got it sort of transcribed by people who can do it. And the geniuses went away and did it, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Katie Huffman. Who played Ola. Yeah, when you've got it flaunted, I mean, that's that's a hell of a song. And she, she starts belting at the end. I don't know if it actually fits into the show that well, but but yeah, she needed a song and and God, she can sing. I mean, holy shit. Oh, yeah. So yeah, then I went through all that. Where did my notes go? Um, what, oh, best line in the whole thing the Fuhrer is causing a furor that piss myself laughing that yeah it's the one show i want to produce when i have a whole bunch of spare money that i don't know what to do with yeah it's the show i want to do and if i do it i'll do it exactly like it was but you might when you get the rights there maybe they may say to you no you can no longer do this there's um i know there's a play called australia day sorry to digress yeah. by jonathan biggins uh, from the wharf review he he wrote a play called Australia, and that's got an alternate title now because of all the fewer about Australia Day. So you can call your play Australia Day, but they've given you an alternate title to call it if you want to produce. And it's about a committee who are trying to organise the events for Australia Day, um, basically. It's a very funny play. So what's the alternative title? I can't remember, like, the, the, the one day of the year or something that uh, is similar to... It can't be the one day of the year because that's another play. The, the one day of the year or inv- I don't think it's invasion day but yeah I can't remember because we looked at doing it at one point we may still do it yeah interesting yeah people have been very careful now and, and, and it, you know they're aware that there are issues and that people are offended so that's at least a good thing I guess but yeah it was it was nice to have a little bit of uh extra time I feel like we had extra time this week with um oh good with with listening and being able to do more research so I did end up watching uh there was a 2001 documentary about the recording of the cast album and then did you watch the movie after that of the latest Broadway production? Yeah. Wow, you did a lot of research. Yeah, I, I even got to the point of like watching other people's reviews of the producers. <laughs> I should have mentioned earlier, the balls of, of doing that in 1967. And I, and I commented to the wife, like, you know, look at this. And I rewound it and sat down and watched the, the big number again. And it, it is literally like if someone was to write a song, Springtime for Bin Laden, you know, like how would that go down? Yeah, yeah. It probably yeah. wouldn't. And they'd get bloody, you know, booed off the stage. Mm, interesting. I love in the original, it's a shame they didn't use it. In the original film, there's like one guy clapping and everyone piles onto him. Oh, yes. They didn't use that in either show um, after, which kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. And that's right. Sorry. Watch the, watching the big springtime for Hitler number. And of course, it's so much longer, the film version. Yes. And watching it going, where's where's the swastika dancers so you like the songs the songs are funny yeah yeah no definitely i didn't know matthew broderick could sing oh obviously obviously he can yeah he's done a lot yeah uh, but I, I don't think i'd ever heard him sing i don't i'd never mm. heard him sing before and yeah he's he's pulling out ballads and and it was weird watching the uh, the the cast recording documentary i know he just seemed he's just singing as himself like mm. just uh this sort of meek he, I guess you could say he's in character, but it was just weird to hear some of these big notes come out of come out of his face. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, he seems ageless too, doesn't he? Yeah, you expect it from Nathan Lane. Yeah, he looks exactly yeah. the same as he did when he did Ferris Bueller's Day Off, for God's sake. Yeah. 
<laughs> it still does nearly. One of these ageless people. Yeah. 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 I watched a reunion. There was like a 20 year reunion with the original cast and Mel Brooks. Oh, that would have been last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, Matthew Broderick was there. And, um, yeah. Again, he, he looks pretty much the same. But yeah, then I did finally sit down and watch the film. Yes. And oh, why? Why did they do it? Like, just do a pro shot. Just do a pro shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. I was disappointed by this. They should have just done a pro shot, but that's that's basically what it was. There are so many things that didn't translate. Yeah. And I was really quite offended with replacing. I, I assume I was about halfway through going, this is not working. And I'm trying mm. to figure out why. And it seems like they've replaced what possibly they thought were the weaker characters with Uma Thurman and Will Farrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the problem is you've replaced some of your most powerful voices with Uma Thurman and Will Farrell. Bigger names. Katie Huffman yeah, yeah. And, and whoever was the other yeah. one that they've replaced were not big enough names. Yeah, exactly. And that happens all the time. It does, yeah. But their voices are huge. Like, their voices are incredible. Well, Nicole Kidman was meant to play Ula, and she had to quit. Brad Oscar, I mean, he's got a hell of a voice as well. Uh, the, the guy who played Franz. Yeah. No, it didn't, it didn't make sense. There, um, there are musical movies that do work, and, and this one just kind of didn't. It was halfway between, you know, static shots most of the time theater people acting in a theater way you know overacting but yeah in a camera you don't need to do that you know there's that whole issue they should have just done it on the film the stage production but by the time the film came out the stage production was done so i think no the... you sure i thought it ran for 12 years or something oh, maybe it did, but with, with the original cast it was done so. yeah the, yeah definitely they had moved on um but i thought it, yeah i thought it went for a while i think so I'm trying um, to think, it was on in Australia around about 2005. I think the only cool thing was that Richard Kind popped up in the, the jury of the movie. Yeah. And it wasn't until later I found that he actually played Matt Bialystok, Max Bialystok, um, after Nathan Lane. Yeah, right. So they've like plonked him in the film just as a bit of a nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was kind of cool. But yeah, all in all, I don't think it was as good as Young Frankenstein. The film? Oh, the, the musical. Or the musical itself. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I think that, it's, oh, I don't know if it's not as funny. It's certainly not as musically complex and clever as, as Young Frankenstein. But, yeah, I mean, there is, a big, there is a big time difference there as well. Absolutely. Um, and it's different, different people. And, uh, but, yeah, the fact that he'd gone out and done it, got it made and got it on stage and, and, and it won all the Tonys. Did it went berserk, didn't it? How, how on earth did Mel Brooks get a, a show on the Broadway stage? I mean, I he's, he's a nobody in this world. <laughs> <laughs> now, the fact that he went and, you know, did the music, did, yeah. you know, he, he was the driving force. So on top of right, uh, I assume he wrote the original film, not just directed it. I don't know that. Probably, Mel Brooks, yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty much all him. And yeah, he certainly, let's say, refined his craft and and... Young Frankenstein, I think, came out a lot more polished and a lot, just a lot funnier in general. But you also, you listen to the Broadway Young Frankenstein, and yes. most people would disagree with you on that and say that the London cast recording, which is what yeah. me and Hadley were talking about. Yeah, that was, I did go back and listen to it, and, and it's, an, it's nearly an entirely different take on it. And it's a lot better, I thought. Yes. Yeah, it struggled that show, didn't it? Yeah. Young Frankenstein to really find it as big an audience as producers did. Yeah, it was like um, with Hairspray and then Crybaby. Crybaby just petered out. Well, it's Hairspray. That's I, right. It's funny, I, isn't it? Yeah. 
that how that happens lightning striking <laughs> twice or whatnot it's um i found it annoying that the um the 2005 cuts and songs yeah like like opening night or the the king of broadway i think they cut yeah which is a bit of a shame it's a shame i'm sure they got reasons It'd be good to see something a doctor will read something and find out why well, i think it's just time issues it it is quite a long one uh but apparently they did they did record them and they did shoot them they just didn't end up in the final cut didn't get in the final edit, yeah. But yeah, all up, I, I, I don't know. I have to give it a just because Young Frankenstein was just I thought so much better. I, I'm gonna have to give it a two. What? I'm gonna give it a two out of five. Just like Mountains of Madness. I expected <laughs> at least a three and a half for this. Uh, two and a half, maybe. Yeah. Wow, oh, you've got him to change it. <laughs> it's I gotta, I'll give you half a point for whinging. Yeah. 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 Cool. I'm gonna do that more <laughs> often then. <laughs> But it was good. I, I like deep diving into something like this and discovering that something like this exists. The original film, I thought it was funny as hell. Yeah. I love Gene Wilder. Who doesn't? And obviously Mel Brooks loves him and puts him in everything. That's right. Yeah. So it was nice to see a new Gene Wilder movie I hadn't seen. Yeah, good. Is he still alive? No. No. No, he died. Okay. Yeah, he did too. I can't remember when, but he's no longer with this Richard Pryor's gone. Zero Mustel went years ago. Yes. Who's yeah. the other yes, guy yeah. who was in the film? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now in Melbourne, speaking of people we lost uh, recently, we had the great Bert Newton play Franz. In the Melbourne production, yeah. I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it? Yeah, no, I when I first heard it, I didn't really enjoy it very much. And then I saw the movie and I was like, no, this is terrible. Why is this so popular? And mm. then I saw the stage version and I didn't mind it on stage. Yeah, interesting. It wasn't as successful as most musicals are here. I think it did like six months or something in Melbourne and did probably similar sort of in Sydney and then didn't do, I don't know, it didn't go as well as they wanted it to. And it had big names in it. It had Reg Livermore in it and it had, you know, Tom Berlinson, who doesn't do much at all, and Chloe Delamore playing Uma and the rest of the cast were the rest of the cast, um, who are great. The rest of the cast are full of people who, you know, are still working now. But, yeah, there was something about it. I think it's a hard show to market. I think it's a show that theatre people enjoy more than general public. Yeah. It's not like a general public show like a We Will Rock You or like those jukebox musicals or Rocky Horror, for that matter, which is a massive general public appeal. Producers is more of a theatre because it's about music producing musicals on Broadway. Yeah. That's what I was going to bring up. When I initially first heard it, like the, the first listen, the first couple of songs, I'm immediately going, oh, God, not another musical about musicals <laughs> there is and i've looked this up i can't find how many but there's a shitload i i found a, a list it was like really? top 10 musicals about musicals and there's even a there's one called musical musical the musical stay away from it you know so i read this list of 10 musicals about either musicals or putting on shows and and then i was thinking of a few others on top of that so yeah the most covered topic in musicals would be Musicals. <laughs> oh, there's heaps. There's 42nd Street. Is if they, are they putting on something in Phantom of the Opera? Aren't they doing? Yeah, uh, Don Juan Triumphant. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah. you're right. Now that I think of it, you're bloody right. Yeah, there are quite. I, I know. I say there's a musical about everything, but yeah, there's there's a musical about a musical. There's more about musicals everything. about musicals. Yeah, I think there is. I think you're right. I've never realised that before. I don't know why I didn't enjoy because I was 16 at the time, and you'd think that. It's... You don't like anything. You don't like Lion King. You don't like the producers. 
Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I don't like those two things, but I like lots of things. Thank you, John. I'm not like what West Side Story. I'm looking at. I'm Actually, looking at the posters. no, I didn't like West Side Story. There you go. West Side Story. Could we have one musical that you like? They both didn't die at the end of West Side Mary Story. Mary Bloody Poppins. You like Mary Poppins? Oh, I love Mary Poppins. Oh, there you that's go. Wonderful. Yeah, no, I love Mary. Poppins. I like <laughs> lots of things. It's just you keep yeah. naming things that I don't like. Um, it's just oh. luck of the draw. You like no, Billy just... Elliot. You like Billy Elliot bawled my eyes out in that first act i sat there and just cried all the way through and i don't know why wow i don't know why at all it's as soon as those lights went down and the the screen you had the the projections at the start of it yeah the news is real yeah and then sort of half in the intermission i went out had a, a breather and i went back in and i didn't cry at all through the second act um, wow not even at the end no wow no. Okay, cool. So, but the first act, each to their own. Yeah, the first act, I was so goddamn swept up in the way it was staged. Has Evan seen any musicals? Uh, only the ones that Evan. he gives me. No, not not personally. No, I've like live. You don't go to musicals at all. You didn't go to We Will Rock You. The Adams Family. Or you're not going to go to Tommy. There's a production of Tommy the Who. You know the Who. There's yeah. sort of not really a threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm yeah, aware the, of the, the news. Musical, Tommy yes. is on in, in February, Victoria Opera doing. I know, I have a ticket. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm flying over. Oh, I, oh awesome. Are they coming to Perth? No. Oh, you no. you fancy COVID people in Perth. We're not going anywhere and you're not allowed in either. So, unless you, so how the hell can they bring it to Perth, Evan, when you're not letting people in? I've complained about this before, like, especially when um, Aaron, like Aaron's getting me to listen to all this stuff and then you hit something like, um, yeah. I was like, this is so frustrating. I'm sitting here listening to all this wonderful things I would love to go and see. That's all right. By the time you get to, you'll be an expert. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Sorry, Evan, your score. We've done that. Uh, Aaron, earlier in your, yeah, in your intro, you said something about Mary and Max. Was, what, what's the involvement there? I swear you did. Austria. No? no, Uncle Max. Yeah. Uncle Max. Yeah, uh, in sound of music, I've done I that said, twice here in Hobart. Yes. Oh, sorry, yes, I sound did. of music is set in Austria. Right, I had Mary and Max on my brain. You did. It was a very clever. Thank you very much to go from. Um, I you were seen across Australia, and then I didn't see you in Austria, and then it was we heard you in Australia as Dol Adia. As in ADR, ADR, yeah, ADR on, on some films, yes. Because I had to, I had to put it in that order, Evan. So it's very clever. It's being so clever, we completely very missed that. clever that it went very there. clever. Just why it's worth listening back over and over to this podcast to get just for the introduction alone. <laughs> that is. Yeah. That is. Uh, anyways, we're going to move on from that. <laughs> G'day listeners, Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. 
And here is a sneak peek. After barely three hours of light sleep, Toniston Turnbull slowly opens his eyes, his body feeling heavier than it ever has before. Not from extra weight, from tiredness and stress. Polly sighs in the shadows behind him, the flame of the nearest barbed wire tiki torch tower having died down, but not out, while Toniston napped. Are you awake? Toniston whispers. Oh, how can I sleep in this place? Polly moans, turning onto her side and facing Toniston, who stays on his back, imagining obscure animal-esque shapes in the rusted tin roof above them, shadows faintly formed by the nearest dying torches. We need to work out a way to get out of here, Toniston states the obvious. He whispers, despite the fact the nearest shacks to their own are several metres away, and the occupants presumably asleep as most prisoners seem to be. How? There's no fence to squeeze through, or even climb, Polly replies, sitting up in bed and then stretching out her sore arms. The hairs stand on end from the slight chill in the air. I don't know, but I think the whole fighting thing is a distraction. You mean, to distract the other prisoners when new ones arrive? No, I, I think that was just bad timing. Didn't you notice? Toniston goes on to explain his theory. That fight happened, everybody gathered around. I didn't see one person who wasn't watching, and then when I vomited, the only gate in this place closed shut. What are you trying to say? I think something happened when everyone's back was turned. Like what? whispers Polly, her voice breaking up in fear. I don't know. That's what we've got to find out. Toniston's brain starts working overtime, but it's strange that nobody seems to want to leave. They seem almost happy. Definitely content. So, when's the next one of those stupid beatdowns? Toniston can't help but think Polly looks tough, almost evil in the shadows as she asks, I don't know, Toniston begins, but both teenagers are distracted by a crumbling noise in the distance. Hopping out of bed, Toniston joins Polly on her own, equally uncomfortable one. Spotting a large, white package hovering close to the cave ceiling, behind it a shadowy figure. The package is lowered down, causing the teenagers themselves to lower as well, hoping not to be spotted by whom, or what, may be operating this obscure crane. Over a long, slow descent, the package is dropped to the ground. Polly keeps her eyes on it, but Toniston looks up immediately, spotting a large black shadow scurry away to God only knows where. Come, he whispers, as he quietly hops off her bed, slipping into his docks with bare feet. Polly follows his lead, Careful to keep watch on all directions, the teenagers swiftly sneak over to the white package, their hearts beating an almost tribal jam in perfect harmony and stopping in their tracks as the sudden realisation of what lies before them sinks in. A woman, seemingly in her early twenties, wrapped up in bandages from the neck down. No, not bandages. Is that spiderweb? Polly asks, completely mortified at the prospect. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Okay, you're a Bombers supporter. Hell yes. Yeah, go the Bombers.
Who would you like to see a musical written about and what would it be called? Jeez. So any one bomber throughout our history of this great game. Uh, for those that international listeners, Australian rules football, the team Essendon Bombers, which is the greatest team in the world. That's right. That's all you need to know. Uh, maybe Tim Watson. Okay, yeah. And instead of Tommy, call it Timmy. <laughs> I've got uh, Dick Reynolds. Dick Reynolds. And it would be called Kick and Dick, the Dick Reynolds story. Kick and, <laughs> Kick and Dick. Yeah, I know or Sheedy, Sheeds, Sheeds, yeah, Sheeds the musical, the yeah. sound of the sound of Sheeds. See that would that would get funding. West Side Sheed. Yeah, I can imagine a dance number of a scarf above the head. Just the swirling the scarves. Yeah. You'd remember that, Evan. I think it was a West Coast Eagles oh, game. No, he, he knows I do not watch sport in any way. Any sport at all? No, no, no. Like none whatsoever. None at all. No. Not, not even like the curling on the on the, on the in the Winter Olympics. No. Really? <laughs> you said something right up the start. Uh, what, happens when, what happens when the Olympics are on, Evan? What do you like? Do you do your lawn and your gardening for two weeks? What do you do? Yeah, pretty much. You don't watch the athletics? No, no. Or the I'm, swimming? No. Every Australian watches the swimming. The BMX? I, that was pretty cool. Yeah. We're trying to we're trying to draw uh, some kind of sport that's close to like, uh, I, or the, is there motocross in that? Uh, you would watch motocross, wouldn't you? Watch reality shows like the baking one and no, I don't even watch the baking shows. Master Chef, you watch those things. No, I don't even watch those. I, I can't stand the editing and those things. Wow. Um, they drive me nuts. And the water phone. Oh, don't get me started on the water phone. What's the water phone? The noise that that um it a lot of people mistake it for a uh, violin and it's the dramatic background noise that ah. goes in they they use it in every fucking it's a water phone it's called a water phone you look it up they're crazy looking things um it's basically a it looks like a metal jellyfish with spines and they run a bow across it and it makes this crazy high-pitched noise anyway that noise drives me up the wall and all the reality shows use it. Sorry, Evan, we'll stop talking about sport yes. now. Uh, we'll, we'll go back to musicals. Uh, <laughs> now, you stepped into the hooves of Pumba. Can you tell our listeners what Nance Ngoyama Bagithi Baba means? I used to know and I've forgotten. Nance Ngoyama Bagithi Baba. Bagithi Baba. Because we weren't in that number. Well, when that's that, the only reason I know that bit so well, I don't know what it means. And I should. I mean, it's there. You can look it up. But um, that's when I used to go to makeup. As soon as we heard Rafiki go, nah, it's going with my, my yeah. friend and me and Jamie would get out of our chairs and go to makeup and sit in another chair and get them to do our makeup for 40 minutes before we come on yeah. right at the end of Act One. But yeah, no, I don't know. Do you know what? Did you look it up? I'm a Disney nerd. So it means uh, here he comes. Basically, here he comes. Like, here is the baby the lion. Here he comes. Uh, He's up on a cliff yes. with his dad. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, dangerously sort of thing. dangling him over it. Uh, yes. Gee, I could tell you some stories about that. I could tell you muff muffin gate was a funny story. One of the cast members baked two sets of muffins one night. Yeah. And one set was the muffins you eat before you do a show. And one set was <laughs> the muffins you eat after the show. They got mixed up. Uh-oh. And oh, people, no. um, yeah, like to the point there where Rafiki at the top of the rock, when it finishes at the end, she's at the top. And it goes, and the circle, circle of life. And she hoists the baby up and it goes, yeah. blackout. Well, it stayed blackout for about three minutes because Rafiki had accidentally, not deliberately, accidentally taken from the wrong muffin bin mm -hmm. and was freaking out at the top of the rock and the crew had to get up and get it down. 
anyway, I won't say any more about that, but people got fired and they brought lawyers in and we all got individually interviewed. It was like really pretty big scandal. Yeah, that's oh, bad. During, during the Melbourne production. Yeah, yeah, but funny. Yeah. And luckily, had I not been doing so, I don't know why, because I love food. I'd have been in there eating muffins till the day cows came up. And I know I've never had a, that stuff either, so I've never been staying in my life. So it would literally would have freaked me out. I might have had some kind of weird reaction. Well, if they're if if they're made properly, you you wouldn't be moving anywhere. Yeah. No. <laughs> the Pumba would just be like, tomorrow yeah. be dra- dragging Pumba on yeah. to the stage. Wow. But that was a fun. That was a fun, interesting, exciting. But funny enough, that that amazing New Zealand actress who yeah. they sacked. Uh, later on, I turned up in Hamburg in the production over there. So oh, really? They, they, they got it back. You can't, can't keep a good, beautiful-voiced um, Maori woman down. She was great. She was a, a Rafiki cover, and she was one of the – she was a Shenzi cover. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. She's a, a brilliant singer in, in New Zealand. Anyway, goss for you. Mm-hmm. We actually – last week, we had David Yazbek on the show, who was stoned. While he was on the show. <laughs> While he was on yeah. the show. Great. We recorded it a couple of months ago. but Right, okay. Have to listen. Did you speed all his dialogue? Did you speed all his dialogue up? Or? No, no. That's David Yazbek. No, he's, he's great. All right. When was your last standing ovation? And did you agree with it? Yes, it was uh, one of the performances of Rocky Horror. Bloody oath, I agree with it. I mean, every night, we nearly got standing ovations pretty much every night. I agree with it. Yeah, it wasn't merely me. It was for everyone. But That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, for the yeah, show. yeah, yeah. It was yeah, but it was yeah. We just because we do the reprise of three of the songs at the end, and all the audience is up dancing anyway. And it's really good if you can get the people up the front standing, especially in the stores. Everyone else has to stand because they can't see shit. So it's really good. <laughs> and the people in the front rows are usually people that have bought tickets. One woman came fourteen times. So that's in a five week season. So that's yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yes, we that was the last time. Yeah, it would have been in no, early November. You agreed with it? And bloody oath, we deserved it. Oh yeah, the crowd were going ape shit. It was really. Uh, have you? When was the last time you disagreed with a standing ovation? That wouldn't. That never. Who disagrees with a standing ovation? Which lots of people have trust. Really? Oh yeah. Well, I would like your family and friends stuff or opening nights. You know, where people are you know three quarters of the audience have been invited. I mean, I and I don't. You know, subscribe to that stuff. So I, I can take it or leave it. Just because the audience doesn't stand up, doesn't. And like sometimes when you say like a full standing ovation, they're pretty rare. Sometimes you get some people who stand, but it's usually family and friends of the people who are in the bloody show, which is a bit embarrassing, really. If my family or friends ever did that, I'd kick their asses. Yeah, that, that's when that's when you feel. You know, I don't think you need to do that. You know, I don't think you need to stand up. And they do. And in America, it's a very popular thing in the states. Yes. You know, it's a thing they do. I remember yeah. seeing Eartha Kitt in the musical Nine on Broadway. Oh wow! Yeah, and she came down. She and she appeared, and the crowd spontaneously burst into applause for like thirty seconds. Yeah, mm. and then she spoke one line, and they burst into applause again. Like oh, it took God. her ages to get her scene because every time she spoke, <laughs> they spontaneously burst into applause. And I'm like, shut up! I want to watch the bloody show. Yes, I know it's Eartha Kitt. All right. Was this was two thousand and three Antonio Banderas production? Yeah, yeah. No, I think John Stamos had taken. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, but, but it was that that production, that production, yeah. not the original Raoul Julia. Yeah. I think the woman who sang um for Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady and oh, Marnie Nixon. I think she might have been in it as well. And that was a good year in Broadway there because I also saw the woman who wrote Upstairs Downstairs. She was in a play with. Anyway, I digress. Get back to what you were saying. Somebody's in my mind now. It's a long time ago. It was nearly 20 years ago. Where were you 20 years ago? You were like... I had a mohawk, piercings, tattoos, and I was probably at the pub. 
Great. Even though I was only 16 at the time. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I've talked about on this show many, many times. Oh, good. In the past. People will be going, oh, that story again. Yes. I had tattoos yeah. at 15, so it was really easy to get into pubs because I just had to yeah. wear something that, because I got one right here. I just have to wear a shirt that would. What is that? Is that a flower or a butterfly? That's a, a little Ned Kelly. Oh, cute. Yeah. Honesty time. Oh, no. How ambitious have you been in your career? Tell us honestly. And have you tripped someone over? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. No, I'm too nice a guy. And that's probably yeah. been to my downfall. But no, I've been very ambitious at all. Uh, I've been very fortunate and lucky to have done what I've done, especially coming from Tassie. Mm -hmm. It was... um. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm very grateful yeah. for what I've done, which is not a lot, which I know a lot of, because I meet a lot of people who would give their left arm to have done some of the shows I do. There's so many people who want to do what I do for a living yeah. and be in some of these musicals. And the people who do them all the time, you know, every now and again, have to remind themselves and pinch themselves that they are very fortunate because there's so many people. You can never take it for granted. So um, yeah. look, I don't get ambitious. And it's, it's a great industry to be in and it's a great bunch of people. And the last two years have been absolutely shitful mm -hmm. for everyone in the industry. And, and, and even now, it's, you know, I'm sick of seeing these notes of like, oh, Moulin Rouge is back for five minutes and then it's off again. And then and these shows are covered to the bejesus. There's usually three people who can cover your role at the drop of a hat. And when those people can't even do it, like when companies are struggling that much, it's just... Yeah, I, I would always, I would find that really hard to get my head around, you know, making a living from performing. It's tough. Yeah. Um, when you, week to week, you don't really know if there's going to be another show. There's very no. few people who go show to show, but they're out there and they're very good. Yeah, and they're yeah, usually yeah. very versatile because they can sing, act and dance. Um, but I do a lot of other corporate stuff in Tassie. You've pretty much got to prostitute yourself around from public speaking to emceeing to singing to acting in yeah. plays to yeah. acting in musicals. Like, and, do, and that's how you garnish a living. But there are moments when you go through patches yeah. of no work at all. And that's when you just marry well, yeah. marry a clinical <laughs> psychologist who runs her own practice. So yeah, look, I haven't been very ambitious at all. You know, I've been, um, I've just been able to do what I can do. And, and, you know, I've never been over, I know you want me to say, I've been really ambitious in this time I did that. No, I haven't. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to have done what I've done, basically, and, and, I, and I feel grateful for it every single day because I know a lot of people don't get to do it. And it doesn't mean that they're not talented. I mean, you know, I've obviously got some talent somewhere, but I've just been at the right place at the right time. And yeah. for a fat, bald, you know, 51-year-old Greek man from Tasmania, I've done all right. Mm -hmm. Nice. Just, just remember, John, that I get to decide who I invite onto this show based on their body of work. If I see that their body of work has been substantial enough wow. that I have respect for it, then you get an invite. Oh, wow. Because I've had people slip into my DMs and say, hey, if you ever need a guest, I'd love to come on your show. Oh, no. See, I, that's something I would never do. I have no fucking clue who they are. They've got no work. <laughs> I would never do that. I would never do that. Oh, my God. It's it's happened that so much, but don't ever feel like you haven't. But even if I was Hugh Jackman, I would never do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I would just never do it. By all means, if if someone has got the chutzpah or the, the work to back it up, by all means, please come and, and say that you would love to come on the show. I'm waiting for that, but I'm not waiting for some other podcaster who's just done a couple of amateur theatre shows and maybe a college production. <laughs> There's lots of those out there. Well, yeah, and that's the problem. Yeah, the technology, the current technology doesn't help. It's a lot easier for people to do that. And I yeah. think some of the some of the schools don't help either. I think a lot of smoke has blown up young people's asses yep. these days. Mm -hmm. and they think they're a lot better than they are, especially in Tassie. And they go to Melbourne or Sydney and realise there's another 10,000 people just like them or better. Yeah, who are mm. 
streaks ahead and some of them come back with their tail between their legs, which is a bit sad, but you know. Yeah, well, that's, that's also the industry. You've got to hang in there. You've yeah. got to hang in there. That's right. That's, the yeah. resilience is a big thing. Yeah. A huge thing in this industry. It's such it's so hard. And then this, this current climate doesn't help at all no. either. That's the other problem. And that's the thing is that everyone's selling themselves. True. God, you're making me feel freaking guilty. Me? Why? Because you've got a job. <laughs> well, yeah. Everybody. Yeah, because like, like I've been a baker. You've got a stable job. A stable job. I've been a baker for 30 years. I've never been unemployed. That's fantastic. Awesome. But yeah, it is. there is that climate out there at the moment where things like bakers and butchers and there's never enough of them and you can no. just pick and choose and and how cool is it at your place you just like bake bread at home and it's always fresh and yummy or you like builders who houses are shit because they're building good ones everywhere else so you just never bake bread at home like gynecologists <laughs> no i can i've only learned to cook recently in the last couple of years but no i don't bake bread at home look at that that's too much hassle i don't have the equipment here to do it properly yeah, um, yeah it's called an oven and yeah. a pan no it's not it's not the same. No, no, it's not the same, is it? You need a rotating oven. You need to be able to steam. You can pick up bread makers for next to nothing on <laughs> Facebook Marketplace <laughs> or one of those places because it's ridiculous. Gumtree. I can literally bring home a loaf every day if I want to. I can make my own stuff can at you work. So br bring me some fresh bread once in a while, please. <laughs> fresh. By the time it gets from Perth to you, I just get a message. Go, you know, make make us some long rolls. We're going to have a barbecue. And I go, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. How many do you want? Yeah, no worries. Wow. Yeah. Nice. All right, moving, yeah. moving on, because oh. I've only got a couple more questions. Oh, back to the podcast. Yes. Yes. Uh, now, have you felt properly looked after by the Australian industry? Uh, I would have to say yes, fully? to an extent. Yeah. Not fully. No, I think a few times I may have been overlooked for people who are more prominent, um, probably well known to have a bigger CV than me or a bigger name. But I do understand, being a producer myself, I do understand that having a name because these days it's so competitive 40 50 years ago theaters were great because you had no fucking choice you didn't have five ipads and three phones and netflix and stan and everything else you could sit home yeah. why the hell would you leave your house when you can watch hamilton in hd 4k whatever the bloody hell it is Broadway production why the hell would you go down the road so they need to do something to bring people in and if the fact that you know for argument's sake some actress from home and away is in a thing and it's going to attract a bunch of 17 year olds who don't normally go to the theater well then you know do it that's not to say i've been you know pushed aside for some 17 year old girl from home and away playing my role um, so yeah so in that case no they haven't it's really it makes it a lot harder if you don't already have a massive profile producers want to be safe what's been your most embarrassing on stage moment most embarrassing that was you, not anyone else. For me, once I forgot in South Korea when I was doing Jekyll and Hyde yep. and Belinda Wollaston was on stage and I had to go and summon her. She sang this beautiful song and I had to go on as Spider the Evil sort of brothel owner guy and beckon her to come, you know, take your gear off and come with me because you've got to go and visit this bloke. Or was it maybe it was me? I, I think I remember I had to take my jacket off. And she sang, as she sang the song, she sort of, and I was downstairs yak, yakking away. I'm sounding like I've ever done this. I've, and, and heard my cue and ran faster than a 110 kilo fat Greek man can ever run to go up because this is what happens when they stick your dressing room underneath it, and ran and got to the stage just as it was, it was too late. And she's there staring into the wings where I normally come from. Yeah. Oh. I'm just going, I'm so, my hands up in the air and my mouth, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You can see the glitter in her eyes. She was laughing, but, you know, just being miserable. And she slowly just walked off because it was too late for me to go on and, yeah. and motion to her, you, need, you and me, about to go and do it. 
I'm taking my jacket off sort of thing. I completely cocked that beautiful, intimate wow. moment up. That's been my most embarrassing, not my funniest, but that's my most embarrassing moment that I was responsible for and I feel terrible for that. But it's also a, a most embarrassing offstage moment. Offstage moment? No, that was. That was an offstage moment. You weren't on stage for that. <laughs> yeah. but what, when's wow. been a time that you've been in front of that audience and you've been left red? Oh, Jesus. Embarrassed. Oh, there hasn't been. There wouldn't be. No, actors are very good at covering up covering up if they've made mistakes. There's probably been mistakes that I've, I've made that I've covered up for that's made the other person look, look bad, look like it's, it's their fault. No, I've mm-hmm. been very, very fortunate. There was a time in Wizard of Oz where I, I forgot, again, an offstage thing. I'm about to go on stage and forgotten my lion's nose. It's going about with my real nose and race to the dressing room and race back so fast. I think I forgot to breathe. And for the rest, last 15 minutes of the show, I had I could feel my heart pounding out of my chest to the point where I nearly fainted in the last final scene before Dorothy's clicking her heels to go home. I nearly fainted. I went back and I nearly fainted in the final number as we look out in the audience. I'm going to faint, I'm going to faint. And I had to like take deep breaths and mime some of it. But, you know, no one could tell. And I remember being at home at night, lying in bed that night, and my heart was still racing. I thought, do I call an ambulance here? Am I having hugged? And it was just purely adrenaline. Mm from nearly forgetting to go on stage in a multi-million dollar musical. Because you yeah. all, it's a lot of pressure in not cocking. You do it in an amateur musical, it's funny. You do it in a show like that, it's not funny. They're paying for you for do, to do a job. And in big musicals like that, it goes on the show report, mm-hmm. which then gets sent to every other production around the world of that production you're doing. Yeah. So they can see in Australia, oh, John X forgot to come on. Or, you know, if he did, oh, you know, or in one case in Billy Elliot, Again, it's all off stage. I went, I went upstairs to the dress circle of the Capitol Theatre during this performance one night when I had a big gap off in the second act so I could watch the dream ballet, the, the ballet with the boy yep, yep. on the wire with his he dances older, with his yep. older self sort of thing yep. and got busted because company management, front of house management saw me walking across the dress circle. It was near <laughs> the end of the season. We, on Tuesday nights, we stopped opening the dress. It was just the stalls. And company management came and, and busted me in it. I watch it. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just watching." Anyway, I did. I know that was one strike against my name, and that was pretty. And that would have gone in the show report. I That's probably why Louise Withers has never employed me ever since. Yeah, Could be that because I'm I'm naughty. Or Elton John. No, well, he really was really employing me, but he was lovely. We got was, some good presents from him. Oh, did you? We got this key ring. It's like a like a round round key ring with little balls. That there's like a gap at the end where you you screw a ball off and put your key on it and screw the ball back on. But look, we called it like it was from Tiffany's. We called it the Tiffany's cock ring because that's what it looked like. It looked like a cock ring. But it, we got those and we got some beautiful uh, signed um, dog tags. Again, silver ones from wow. Elton John gives good present, let me say. You'd bloody well want to. Christ, with that money. <laughs> He's a good bloke. Uh, yeah. I if Elton John, you're never going to hear this, but please come on this podcast. Oh, it'd be great. You better get a better chance of getting his husband, David Furnish, on. He's lovely. Yeah. Evan, do you have any questions? No, I think you, I think you covered it. I was actually on, on off to the side here reading like all the other people who've taken um was it max bialystok's roles and, and the different tours and casts and i'm just sitting here going you know lee evans played yeah. leopold bloom in west end i would have loved to have seen that and and nathan lane <laughs> came back for it which is pretty it's, cool yeah yeah very much stunt casting phil jupiter's as france lieberkin that yeah. would have been funny as hell so the german phil jupiter's i see him a lot on um all the british panel the shows and stuff QI, yeah, yeah, very funny. Yeah, yeah it'd have been hilarious. And again, they it'd do be that hilarious. because it brings people in. Yeah. yeah, and then you get that show. Tony Danza as as yeah. Max. Like, he was a massive Broadway, but he's a massive Broadway performer. But when right. Ford produced came along, 
He was First huge. Off. He they plucked him from Broadway to being who's the boss. Yeah. That, that's right. career started on stage. Mm. He's a big music theatre person. Sings up a storm. Yeah. But in Australia, we, we we only knew him as the dad in Who's the Boss. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Milano's dad. And then turns out he can sing and dance. Well, wow. what do you know? And yeah. it turns out issues. Max Casella from Doogie Howser yeah. was Timon in The Lion King. In, in, in The Lion King. In the, yeah, We're going to talk um, about that next week. In the stage show. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know he was in Doogie Howser. I had no idea. No, and of course not. Max, Max Casella was also, he was also a small part in The Sopranos. He used to play a, a, yeah. a, a support character in The Sopranos. And he was in Blue Valentine and uh, the, was it the Buster Scruggs? Bella to Buster Scruggs, I think he was in that, or one of the Coen Brothers films. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So I think he's now starting to gain traction as a, a character actor again. What I kept seeing in in my small amount of research was uh, university reviews. Is that just a bunch of uni students putting on shows, or is it people going back to uni and doing shows in uni? In Tasmania, for about thirty years, it was the most popular theatre in the state. It would only run for three weeks, so 15,000 people would fly. And it's not, most uni reviews are on campus, like in their theatres. This is on at the Theatre Royal here in Hobart. It's huge. Makes more money than any other show. And Evan, <laughs> I'm going to talk to Adrian. I'm going to try and get that band over there next time he goes. Yeah, hell yeah. It's only three of them. How hard can it be? He's got an auntie over there. He always wants to visit his daughter there, so it can't be that hard to hook. He'll know metal bands in, in Perth. Mm. Once you let us back in, we'll see if we can make it happen. Yeah, no. I might even I might even promote it, you know. We're, we're quite happy in our little bubble at the moment. That's right. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's futile. And no, stay safe. There'll be a lot. A lot of Tasmanians are very envious of the borders not opening there yet. Mm. But when they do, yeah. Well, I, I keep saying like we are at the moment. Well, not we Perth, but Australia. We are best case scenario. We got to ninety something percent vaccinated yeah. before it came. That is the best case scenario. Just, just get on with it. Yeah, we're not dealing with Delta. We're not dealing with Alpha. Oh, um, we are in Melbourne yeah. and with arrogant fucking yeah. tennis stars. Oh, that's funny. And that's another story. I'm not going to get triggered by that. Oh, I haven't been following. How funny! Now you don't watch sport, but wow. Yeah. No, I I like sport. Evan doesn't. And that again, that's the government dropping the ball. That's the government yeah. like cocking up because their procedures aren't correct. Mm. It should have been this the one flat rule. Not even let Victorian tennis tell Djokovic, yes, you can come in on this thing. Yeah. And they should have said, no, no vax, no entry, end of story. Yeah. And they, they said they cocked around and didn't do their work research no. properly and got shafted by highfalutin lawyers with the world's number one tennis player. Yeah. Because, and you saw the riots they were doing. You know, police had to keep back with Mace after he won the case and was allowed to stay. Can you imagine now if they're threatening to still stop him from coming, mm. send him back? They're mad. They will literally burn Melbourne to the ground. And and then on top of that, the the other thing that's that has come out is he's sitting there going, oh, you know, he was positive on December the 17th or whatever. Two days fucking later, he's doing events. Yeah, and took photos with children. So if nothing else, he's a dick. Yeah, He's a dick. He's an absolute he's dick. He's used to getting his own way. Blech. Vomit all over that one. Anyways, on that note, that has been a crazy show. Thanks, fellas. Thanks so much. Just before you go, where can people find you on the social medias? On the social media, John X uh, Actor on Facebook yep. and uh, John X Actor on Instagram and uh, John X Actor on Twitter. Yep. And uh, johnx.com.au is the website. Okay, awesome. And nice. lots of pictures of me. 
Um, know, we, we're not we're not doing the plug at the moment because most people don't have something to plug and so saying to an actor so what have you got coming up is kind of offensive to them now no oh yeah it is yeah and i've got a lot of uh, gig like gig gigs like i'm an australia Day ambassador so i've got to go up north and yep. make a speech for be official there and i'm doing the tasmanian wine awards this friday and then oh, filming yeah. Yeah. the last part of a local film in launceston while i'm doing the, just before i do the tasmanian awards and just producing some shows some concerts this year with some other people and ones that i'm in as well because it's too risky doing musical theater mm-hmm. at the moment because we have no yeah you just have to you close down you're yeah. just bleeding money if, if one actor is just a close contact with someone then mm-hmm. you know, you're screwed yeah. so we're just going to sit tight and see what happens with that for now but yeah lots of festivals and lots of like you know cooking festivals. i'll do a cooking show with a friend of mine called paul foreman who's a chef so yeah, a lot of one-off gig stuff that which is a lot safer mm-hmm. in the current climate. Thank you so much for turning me on to some some good solid Aussie metal that I hadn't heard oh, of. Oh, good, good yeah. to know. Because I've been trying to find, trying to pick like a Perth band. You know, I'm like, for God's sake, we've got to do a, a Perth band, and which means I've been having to listen to Perth metal albums, and wow. I'm yet to find something I really like. So. Okay, <laughs> if I find anything out from my mate Adrian, he might know some Perth bands or something. Mm. Alrighty, that's it from us for another episode. You can follow us on the socials at Thrush and Treasure. You can also look out for us on YouTube if you look up Blooming Theatricals or just type in Thrush and Treasure Podcast. You're bound to find us. I'm in the middle of putting all the old episodes up. No video because no one needs to see me at 2 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning or even at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No, thank you. Uh, We promise our guests that they can be natural and relaxed. They can just be themselves. Anyways, uh, yes, so follow us across the socials. I think on Instagram, we're at Thrush and Treasure Podcast. Uh, We're going to be back next week with Leslie Margarita, the beautiful Leslie. Goodness gracious me. Uh, It's a really fun, interesting, silly interview, so I hope you enjoy that. And of course, a huge thanks to John Sintervalonis for joining us this week. So you at home, you take care, and we shall see you next time. Huru. That was heaps of fun. Thank you. All the best. Awesome. Pleasure. Yeah, what a mole. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't say that. I was I was a bit pissed no, off. Well, you probably thought, yeah, that's a bit rude. Yeah, I did. I thought, what a mole. <laughs>